So what do we think about the Vikings taking a nickel corner in the first round? What if that nickel corner is also a safety hybrid from Alabama? Let's get into it. It's Mock Draft Monday on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like that on three, one, two, three. You, like it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everybody, welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. You can find this show wherever you find fine audio content. You can also find this show on YouTube or even Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app for that. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off of your first month. Today's Mock Draft Monday, and we are deep in April, so we, we're going to do these Mock Drafts for real. All seven rounds, uh, trades enabled, we're doing everything. I am still going to uh, abide by the rule that I'm not allowed to... Uh, pick guys that I have picked before in one of these. So for example, um, I am going to take Brian branch at 23 in this particular mock draft. That means next week, if Brian branch is on the board, uh, at 23, I'm not allowed to take him. We got to talk about some different people get, you know, variety. It's the spice of life. Uh, but Hey, trades are enabled, which means every time I do these mock drafts, I'm going to be watching to see who falls down the board. And in this particular one, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson all went in the top five. I've said on this show before that I'm not interested in trading up for for uh, Will Levis. I, I've sort of softened a bit on my Will Levis take. I would take him at 23, I think, nowadays. I, I think I'd be okay with that. Um, and if the Vikings did trade up for Will Levis, I wouldn't complain about it too much. But, but I would disagree. Um, so Will Levis was actually falling. He was available at pick 12. I think if a quarterback makes it to pick 12, that is officially like striking distance. If you look at trade charts, historical QB trades, even without a second round pick this year, I think the Vikings have the, uh, capital available to them, even if it means maybe even packaging a player in that trade. I don't think that's out of the question. Um, to move up to 12. I think anything else they're reaching really, really, really hard to do anything higher than 12. But I think if a, if a quarterback makes it to 12, they could do it. But that quarterback was Levis. So I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Once Richardson went at four, personally, I'm good to just let the board come and trade down if it comes to that, which there were some interesting trade down opportunities. And we will almost certainly explore those in uh, another mock draft. But I kind of looked at, at the uh, guys on the board and, um, I saw Brian Branch. There were some other inter very interesting names on the board. If I really wanted to do this the way I like to, I probably would have taken Joey Porter instead, but I have already talked about him on this show a lot. So I decided to skip it, but literally only for that reason. He probably would be my, my top guy on the board who was available, but I haven't really talked about Brian Branch a lot at all. Um, so I went with him just to kind of have an excuse to go over it because he brings up a really interesting discussion about positional value because he plays two positions that I think are very undervalued. And the fact that he plays both of those positions also adds to his value, right? 
Um, but anyways, he's a safety nickel hybrid from Alabama. And I, I think calling him safe, safety nickel hybrid is sort of a, a, an ill-fitted attempt to describe what his actual job at Alabama was, which is a kind of a box safety that would kick out sometimes if, if um, you know, he was on the strong, the passing strength of the field, there was a slot that needed covering. If the coverage, like, asked for that, he would go play the apex. Um, so in Nick Saban's scheme, which is also Bill Belichick's, which is also the tree that Brian Flores comes from. So this is actually a really big scheme fit for Brian Branch because he's already been playing in this exact same scheme. It'd be like going from McVay to Shanahan. But in in that like nomenclature, in that world, the nickel isn't the nickel. He's called the apex. And the diff or, or the star, I guess, is sometimes the word. And the difference is when we say nickel, when we say slot corner, we are usually thinking of the third best corner on the team who comes off the field when uh, the defense goes into base, who's, you know, this kind of short, shifty, quick guy that's supposed to sort of match their short, shifty, quick slot receiver. That's kind of the stereotype of nickel corners. I think we have to start broadening our horizons if we don't want to fall behind the league and start thinking about it in a different way. Brian Branch's versatility allows him to do a lot of the responsibilities that fall on the star. But depending on what side of the ball you're on, the star in some coverages against some formations can be played by the Sam linebacker, can be played by a safety that has rolled into the box, which is, I think, how I would actually define Brian Branch. Um, and I think he can just play those high safety and those apex roles. Can he kick out to outside corner? That would make him like the true, true, true chess piece, right? But with playing that nickel safety hybrid, um, that he's just the second guy in from the outside corner. That's that's all that is. And in a, against a lot of coverages that requires this really diverse skill set and Brian Branch has that skill set. You have to be able to, you know, play a half safety, do the back pedal thing. You have to be able to line up in the slot, play man coverage, do a different kind of back pedal. Um, you know, have all those different footworks and having a package of a guy that can do all of those different things allows you to simplify your alignments a lot. Because that is one guy that they just like cannot bring out of position, right? A lot of offense, and, and when we talked about the Shanahan stuff, we talked about this a lot. Uh, when we talked about all the McVay stuff Kevin O'Connell did last year, we talked about this um, a lot, is bringing guys to where they're uncomfortable, right? Let's take um, you know our, our fullback and motion him out wide. And if a linebacker has to go out there, well, now that linebacker is playing outside corner, and we actually really like that matchup of, you know, CJ Ham on a linebacker, um, you know, trying to, trying to run a route, right? We think we have the advantage. That's the kind of most classic example. And in situations where that's Brian Branch, he is more impervious to that. That's what I think the value of him actually is. Um, but if you, even if you do want to like blanket out. And this is why I hate these, these positional value based analyses because a safety in a Fangio system and a safety in a Belichick system uh, are just, just like way different jobs <laughs> and comparing one to the other and deciding whether or not they're important, I think is just, it's folly. It's, it's the way that it's, it's trying to analyze football without analyzing football. And I don't know why people are just trying to like skip to the back of the book. Um, 
So I don't really put much stock into that at all. And the idea, oh, we picked a safety in the first round two years in a row. And I mean, I don't really like that. Um, understand that this dude resolves your cornerback problem in a different way. He plays a little bit of nickel. He probably backs off and plays some safety. You rotate other guys around. And in depending on you know which personnel package, that problem will be solved a different way. Uh, but it, it, it wouldn't look conventionally. I don't think it would load into Madden very well. Uh, but it would load into an actual real life NFL team made of athletes uh, just fine, just the way that that Alabama did it. And honestly, if Alabama's doing it on defense, it's it's kind of hard to question that. Um, so that's my quick and dirty on Brian Branch. I might go a little bit deeper on him when I have a chance to to watch him a little bit more. I've, I've only sort of been able to cursory catch um, a, a, a rep or two here and there through like other stuff. But I think the value conversation with him is the most interesting thing anyways. Um, but hey, this is a seven-round mock. We're going all the way through everything. And of course, the Vikings only have five picks in the entire draft, so these go a little faster than they used to with, with, than with Rick when we were talking about like 12 picks in a draft. But uh, regardless, we've got a lot of work left to do. Um, before I get into that, however, today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. For a lot of folks, uh, boys in particular, us dudes, therapy can be a bit of an intimidating thing. Um, and especially if you're older, I think it's got a little bit of a stigma around it, but I'm here to break that down a little bit. Therapy is not some crisis thing. It's not what you do when you're just like super broken and you're weak and you admit defeat. No, it's, it's, it's maintenance. It's, it's like going to the gym, but for your mental, mental health. And I think that it is vital. It is a way to realize the best version of your, yourself. Um, cannot recommend therapy in general enough at all. And BetterHelp can help you out. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. And they will also allow you to switch more freely around between different licensed therapists so if you don't like one person, switch to the next person. And I strongly recommend, no matter how you're getting therapy, I strongly recommend doing that. Not everybody is for everyone. And so many people just like do therapy. They have one consult with one therapist that sucks, that they don't like. And then they think all therapy is like that and they'll never touch the subject again. Don't be like that. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today and you can get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Thanks a million for making Locked On your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out patreon.com slash NFL. I've got film breakdowns on a whole bunch of draft prospects, a seven-part history doc if you're just bored looking for something to do until draft time. That's seven hours total of content. It's like a whole season of TV. You can also check out Luke Inman's newsletter at uh, LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters to go sign up for that. Luke Inman's doing a draft newsletter, our good buddy, uh, over at the uh, Minnesota Football Party, the Locked On Minnesota Sports Channel. Uh, let's move on with this Mock Draft Monday. This is the part where it starts to get kind of dicey. Um, there's not a lot of trade-ups that I would do in the third round, which probably is just me not doing a very good job of like replicating an NFL front office because they have much more nuanced opinions about day two guys than I'm going to as just like one dude. Uh, so, you know, grain of salt with that, but I'm probably not going to do a lot of trading up at the third here. Um, but it might do a lot of trading down 
in the third because there's a lot of guys that feel very samey. So I got an offer from the San Francisco 49ers in this particular mock. I'm using the PFN uh, Pro Football Network mock draft sim, by the way, uh, that moved 87 and, uh, down to 99. So I dropped 12 spots in the draft drop and do, I guess technically it was the fourth round. Uh, or yeah, I think it was like just past the, the third round compensatory pick. So just barely into the fourth moving. And, and then I also give up pick to 11 and I get a whole fourth round pick next year. So I move a sixth rounder up to a fourth rounder in exchange for moving down 12 spots in the draft. That's a very good value trade or it's an okay value trade. It's it basically even it works out and it gives us a little bit of extra ammo next year. Um, it means I will only have four picks in this mock, which I'm actually pretty okay with. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't really like this class. I think that we're getting a lot of older COVID kids in this class um, that, you know, there are there are Jamar Chases out there that, you know, had had a COVID year, but they're Jamar Chase, so he's going to declare anyways. And then there's a whole bunch of kids that use that year of extra, uh, of extra eligibility, hoping that they could put together a resume that gets them drafted higher. But I'm not sure if those players are good. They may be just got a little bit more experience than a lot of their peers in college, which is not an advantage that will carry over to the NFL. So there are a lot of players in this draft that I'm not that high on, and I am kind of okay with taking this year's draft capital and sort of funneling it into a year that's going to have a lot less fifth-year, sixth-year guys as that COVID eligibility year starts to evaporate as we get further and further away from from 2020. Um, You know, I kind of feel like, things will even back out and we'll get back to drafts where you can kind of love dudes all the way down into the seventh round. But I don't really feel that way right now. So I'm okay with picking a little less this year and stocking up a little more next year. Anyways, I wanted Jonathan Mingo, who I I think I, I really like. I need to look into him a little deeper, but I think I'm going to really like him as a wide receiving option. He was there at 87, but he went at 97 to, I think he was the Jacksonville Jaguars took him there. Um, so, ouch, that's a whiff. And that's what happens on these trade downs. You know, when you trade down, you slide back 12 spots. I think a lot of us think of this way, and the draft charts kind of display it this way, and it's one of the the problems with those draft charts. As much as I rely on them, we do also have to kind of think outside the box a little bit with them because they sort of uh, imply, and there's no way for them not to, that you know, if you pick, trade pick 87 for 99, you're trading the 87th best player in the draft for the 99th best player in the draft. But you're not really doing that, right? You're trading the 87th best opportunity for the 99th best opportunity. But you're not really, you know, like the, the draft is not that linear, right? The, the 87th best player doesn't go 87th. And if you have a player that you like a lot, like me with Jonathan Mingo in this particular case, um, and that guy falls to 99 and you get him anyways, you just got free money, right? That's value. Oh, I would have taken this dude at 87, but now I took him at 99 and I got an extra fourth round pick out of it, right? That's kind of what I want. It's a matter of risk, but once that risk has actu- like actualized, once it, that outcome has actually been chosen, you either gave up what I did, which is the difference between Jonathan Mingo and then the guy I actually took Xavier Hutchinson, which some people would actually take Xavier Hutchinson over Mingo anyways, so whatever. Um, but you did what I did, which is kind of take, all right, Jonathan Mingo minus Xavier Hutchinson, whatever you think the difference is there in exchange for a fourth-round pick next year. And, a, and I guess you threw a sixth in as well, pick 211. So you decide yourself if I uh, screwed up there or not, right? 
Um, anyways, let's talk about Xavier Hutchinson, who I do think is an interesting guy in the third round. I think the thing that stands out to me the most about him is his releases that he, when he releases, especially to the inside, he's really, really good at taking the corner to deep water is the way that I've heard it, uh, said, which is when you want to set up a corner to the outside, say you're doing like a hesitation release or just like a little skip hop or something like that, whatever footwork or technique that you're using, you're moving your body to the outside of the corner. You need to get outside that corner's frame because then he is forced to react. I don't care how patient he is. When you're outside that corner's frame, he has to react because if he doesn't, he's just letting you run by and it's, it's like striking out looking right. Um, and he's really good at getting outside of that corner's frame and then very quickly crossing in front of that guy to get open. And that's some of his best highlights. You'll kind of see that play start out that way. That's his big skill set. Um, and then in terms of like weaknesses, I guess, it's a little bit tough to evaluate him because of the way Iowa State worked. He was kind of the only dude there. And as we saw in Minnesota, when you only have one dude, defenses can sort of game plan and take you away. It's not really a reflection on that player, right? When Justin Jefferson gets bracketed and doesn't get thrown to, that doesn't mean Justin Jefferson failed on the play. It means they committed two dudes to him and, you know, the play had to go elsewhere. Uh but it means that there's a whole bunch of times where it's like, all right, well, I guess he just doesn't matter. <laughs> and you have to like throw, throw a lot of stuff out. And I think that's, that kind of dampens his production. He also ran a four, five, three, which leaves a lot to be desired uh, in terms of like top end speed. So that's probably why he's like available down here. Good body type and all that stuff though, which is fine. Um, you know, not these super tiny wispy dudes that are all going to go in the first round cause they got more juice. So I'm actually not that mad about getting him at 99 uh, and picking up an extra pick next year, but I definitely would prefer Jonathan Mingo, and I'm going to try to get him next time. Um, he might be a little under the radar, though, on that, that Iowa State offense, because I think it's, it's easy to miss guys there. But anyways, we are on to day three, where I've got a couple of picks. I'm going to spend them both on offense. Only one defensive pick in this draft, despite all the needs on defense. So... Uh, that might be something to check on <laughs> uh, for next time. But anyways, before I get into that, I want to talk to you about a good old ramble. Uh, FanDuel recently came out with their win totals. Vikings are at eight and a half right there with like the Ravens and a couple other teams that it's very clear Vegas does not know what to do with because uh, a bunch of one score games. They don't know how to predict it. Um so if you think the Vikings get a winning record next year, you can go to FanDuel.com and bet it. And if you don't think they get a winning record next year, you can bet that as well. Once again, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Uh, new customers can get up, get a no sweat first bet um, up to $1,000. You just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, play your, place your first bet and get up to 1000 bucks back in bonus bets if you don't win. You can bet on all kinds of things. You can also bet on live stuff. You know, uh, baseball, is happening right now. I'm not sure if you uh, noticed, but baseball opened and you can bet on stuff like will Aaron judge get a home run? Uh, will any twins players start punching each other? <laughs> I don't think they have that profit, but I had to, I had to bring that up. Um, and of course you can bet on NBA stuff as well. Jam a whole bunch of things together in a big parlay, whatever you want. Just don't miss your chance to get that. No sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. When you join FanDuel today, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's rip through day three here on this Mock Draft Monday edition of the Locked On Vikings podcast. On to day three, when I'm up at pick 119, uh, I decided I was going to 
dive into the O-line ranks, I have done like no work on the O-line class this year, mainly because the Vikings are rostering every offensive lineman that made the team last year, which is kind of insane. Uh, and it it leaves very little room for like other guys to come in. However, a lot of people have been pushing for Ed Ingram to get a little competition. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, and I actually think on the board here is good candidate to be that guy, McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga. There is something to this is like a, a very Rick Spielman-y wisdom that I do think carries over, and I think he got some good players this way. Like like Diggs coming out of Maryland was like this a little bit, but when you come out of a school that's not very well regarded. And those Maryland teams, when, when Diggs was playing, they were terrible. Like, that was be like drafting a guy from, like, Rutgers today, right? You're like, eh, why are you on that crappy team? Um, but especially when you get to the um, the FCS part, the Chattanoogas of the world, people get a little bit overlooked. Um, but Clinton McCurtis seems like he's a really, really good fit for the Vikings in particular. For one, he is a crazy mean streak. And it seems like the Vikings offensive line has been headed to the mean streak way for a while, even going back to the last regime. But also, like, that was kind of the point of Ed Ingram was, you know, that he would, like, blow dudes up. Um, and, you know, you get that with Derrissaw and stuff. So these these mean streak kind of younger offensive linemen. McClendon Curtis definitely has that. There's a lot of, like, pancaking and stuff. But what I really like is his zone footwork, especially outside zone footwork, the bucket step which is just a really hard lateral step when you're just like trying to go like laterally with outside zone is really polished. I really like that. Um, people call him like a Devi guy, but I think that he could maybe come in and immediately push Ed Ingram. And here's what's cool about him. He plays three different positions. He's played right tackle, right guard and left guard. Uh, I think that's the extent of it. He might've played some left tackle, but I didn't catch that. Um, so I'm, Pretty happy with that as a fourth rounder that just comes in, pushes Ed Ingram, maybe push somebody like Chris Reed or whatever off the roster, Austin Schlopman off the roster, becoming a, a potentially valuable swing guard and just putting a little bit of roster pressure on a group that I don't think was good enough to justify that level of continuity. Continuity on O-line is great, and you can expect that to create some level of an improvement if it's enough of an improvement or not. I don't know. I guess what's what do you mean by enough, right? But uh, I, I like the idea of continuity on O-line. I think it makes it better, but it's uh, that that's a bit much. <laughs> so I think it's it would be okay to bring in uh, a guard, especially once we're into day three, where it's not really so much about finding starters anymore. It's about finding depth, and McClendon Curtis seems like he makes very good depth that will get a little better. And then with the last pick I have in this draft, which is pick 158, my fifth rounder, because remember, I gave up my six. Uh, my, my compensatory Tyler Conklin sixth rounder is now a fourth rounder next year, which was what I did to uh, with, with that trade down in the third. Um, the 158th pick, I am selecting Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. You can't stop me from picking that little twerp. I love him so much. He's such a little scrappy do is so awesome. <laughs> um, so one thing that can, so if, if you're unfamiliar, Deuce Vaughn is the five foot five running back. He's one of the shortest players, maybe the shortest player to ever be measured at the combine. Uh, he's a tiny little dude. He's a running back. And I think I, I, I'm, I'm growing to loathe the phrase historical outlier um, because it implies this idea and he would be an outlier, but it implies this idea that like, Hmm, are we really that smart? 
Are we really figuring out the guy that, you know, is going to do something like make it in the NFL at that height when nobody else ever has? And like the idea that if we're trying to predict that a guy will be an outlier, we're, we're, you know, kind of betting on double zero on the roulette wheel. Um, and I understand where that comes from, the kind of probabilistic language that that comes from. And I, I like probabilistic uh, analysis. I think it can be very useful. But with a lot of these quote unquote historical outlier types, this is probably a lot like my Bryce Young argument too. Um, a lot of the unlikely stuff has already come to pass. Like five foot five running backs don't get this far very often, but he already has gotten this far. It's kind of, if you want to think about like probabilistically, um, this is a weird tangent that I'll get into actually <laughs> telling you about the guy. But if you think about like, okay, I'm going to flip eight coins and they're all going to be heads. Okay. That's a really unlikely thing. If I, or if I'm going to tell you like, I'm going to flip eight heads in a row. Okay. Very unlikely. If I have already flipped seven heads in a row and I'm, and I tell you, Hey, I'm going to flip eight heads in a row. That becomes a little bit less likely, right? Or less unlikely like that, that now it's just a 50, 50 chance of me flipping eight heads in a row or not. Yeah, that was a very unlikely outcome before, but we've now kind of completed a whole bunch of a bunch of unlucky st- or a bunch of lucky stuff already happened. So I think we have to keep that in mind when it comes to these historical outlier types, which is, okay, why are they at this point though? Are they overcoming that uh particular deficiency? And with Deuce Vaughn, the answer is an emphatic yes. He gives you a lot of um the juice that you want out of a running back. And I think he checks a lot of those sort of almost automatic boxes. Okay. He's got enough burst, you know, he's got enough athleticism and all that stuff. But as a receiver, I like what I see from him. And a lot of it is, you know, screen pass and go make stuff happen in the second level. But I think what really sold me on him, because yeah, I'm like worried about him being this tiny little twerp that gets pushed around by all the big boys in the NFL. And I think what sold me on him was, a lot of times Kansas State would run a, a sweep play out of two back. Um, this is like a Miami Dolphins move too. Um, and the Vikings actually might do it depending on who plays running back. You might you might do this with like Alexander Madison as a lead back, right? But they, they would do it out of whoever the two backs are. They would do it like two backs flanking the quarterback on either side. And then you would hand it to one with like a, a zone looking mesh point. And the other one would immediately become the lead blocker on on that sweep. So Deuce Vaughn would be a lead blocker. You'd have a five foot five, tiny little firecracker as a lead blocker. And he would run up and pop a dude every single time. That dude was looking for violence. And that sells me on him being able to kind of overcome that, uh, that, that size issue. Now, he's not exactly killing dudes through contact, right? Um... And obviously, you know, if you're setting up to block a blitz from an Anthony Barr type, uh, that's going to be a problem, right? You're going to have to kind of play around that a little bit, which is why he's going to be available here in the fifth round. But as a member of a committee and somebody who can be helpful in the passing game, somebody who can be helpful even in the two back game, more helpful than you think in the two back game, um, I, I think he can fit what it seems to me like the Vikings are trying to do. And also he rocks because he's small and he's got fight and I like him and I, and I want him to stay in purple. So there it is. That's my draft. I took Brian Branch, Xavier Hutchinson, uh, McClendon Curtis, guard out of Chatt- Chattanooga, and then the running back Deuce Fawn out of Kansas State. Um, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so hit me with your questions. 
You can hit me at Luke Braun NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can send a, an email to Lockdown Vikings Podcast at gmail.com. Fill out the Google form in the show notes. Just leave a YouTube comment. I'll probably find it. I will see you all for Twitter Tuesday. And as always, skull.